Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Welcome to Waterhouse Church. We're so glad that you're here today. Um, if it's your first time here today, we'd love to say uh, thank you for being here. I pray that above all else that you felt God's presence in our worship today, and I know that God has so much for you today. Um, if you would, we'd love to get to know you. In front of you, there's a little QR code. You can scan that. Uh, it's going to bring up a little link tree. There's several links on there you can click on to get more information about the church. But here's the one I would love you to click on. It's called Connect. Um, if you could fill out that, it'll give you an electronic form to fill out. Uh, we want to get to know you, want to pray for you. Also, we're going to send you a gift in the mail just for saying thank you for being here today. So everybody likes gifts, right? It's a good gift, okay? Um, and so thank you for being here. Before I get in the message, I have a couple of quick announcements, uh, if you will uh, listen up. Um, so next week is Father's Day. Yeah. You're not like mom day. Everybody gets excited. It's Father's Day, man. You got to be here. So dads, be here. It's going to be awesome. We've got an amazing day for you. We've got some really cool stuff. Just going to say there's going to be a lot of donuts, all right? So you want to be here. Okay, so Father's Day is coming up next Sunday. Make sure you come to church. Also, you remember these? We handed these out on Mother's Day. These are for Grace House. Um, these are the bottle drive they do every year. So what you do is you took these and you put them with all the change and dollars and all the things you had to give to Grace House. Um, these are due back on Father's Day. So please bring them back. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to have a little table out there for you to, fill these, to bring these back and put them back there. Um, and so we're going to need all these back on Father's Day. So please bring these on Father's Day. All right. Another thing, we have VBS coming up in the late August or early August, actually. I think we're the last church to do VBS. Save the best for last, right? I don't know. Uh, but we've got VBS coming up, um, so be looking for that as well. But I do want to tell you, August 13th is the last day of VBS. It's a Sunday morning. We're going to have a family service in here. Uh, both services will be a family service. And then that night at 6.30 from 8.30, we've rented out uh, Splash Kingdom Water Park. So you can all come to that from 6.30 to 8.30. It's going to be a great time. And, you know, you can bring your family, your friends. Uh, so we're going to kind of celebrate the end of summer with that. Like, you're not that excited about Splash Kingdom, right? Okay. I'm going to go water. I'm going to go down the water slide. I'm going to push kids down. It's going to be great. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be good. So we look forward to that. Um, today, we want to uh, dive into God's Word. And this message today is really uh, one I wasn't planning on. Um, I'd actually had another one lined up, but I just... God landed this passage in my heart, actually this statement in my heart, um, Sunday morning, last Sunday, and I just couldn't get away from it. And the more I tried to run from it, the more he, he poked me to, to preach this message today. It's not an easy message. Um, it's not easy for me to speak, but I pray that if you receive it, that you will um, just shine a little bit more today. Because that's, that's, the, that's the goal, is that we as believers just shine a little bit more right? Because God has created the church to shine. He's called us to be light in the darkness. He's called us to, to be salt. He's also called us to be light. And so today I pray that we all walk into that light a little bit brighter. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be verse 1 through 21. I have it in the English Standard Version because I, I like the way it's put here very well. And so I'm going to read it. And if you want to stand with me as we read the word, we stand for important things, right? We stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. We stand, for, we stand for the brides when they come in. We stand to honor. And so we honor the God's word by standing today. And I just wanted to tell you, this is probably the most, this will be, not probably, the reading of this word right now is the most important thing that you're going to hear today. Okay, so the, the word of God is powerful. And so I'm going to read it, and you can follow along. Ephesians 5, 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, 
a fragrant offering and sacrifice to the Lord. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish, foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but instead understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for this word. God, I pray that we would shine a little bit brighter today. God, that you would turn up the contrast in our lives, Lord. God, that we would be brilliant in the coming age. God, that we would shine in the dark places. God, that we would not hold back the beauty that you created within us. Lord, let us be pure and clean before you. God, help us to put on the right clothes that fit. God, help us to move in freedom and, and the places that you've called us. God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the call, and I thank you for the ability to shine for you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You have a seat. So we know as believers that we're supposed to shine. We know as believers we're supposed to be a little bit different than everybody else. Even unbelievers know how believers should act. If you, act, if you ask an unbeliever what a Christian should do, they will tell you pretty quickly how a Christian should act. But yet there's all, there seems to be this, this uh, a disconnect, right? There's a disconnect between how believers should, should be and how believers truly are. We are called to shine. We are called to be different. We are called to contrast, right? Maybe as you're paying attention, we did this purposely up here this morning. We didn't know that, but all the team was wearing black, uh, we asked Mark to wear some bright clothes, but that's the brightest clothes he had over there. He had some yellow sneakers on, some white pants. He had to buy the white pants. And then a shirt with some color on it, color popping on it. Maybe your eyes kind of saw him up here and your eyes were drawn to that light. Maybe your eyes were drawn to Lori over here with her, I don't know what color that is, magenta, pink, pink. Okay, I'm, not a, I'm a guy, right? It's all red, orange, yellow, but pink, her pink blazer. And your eyes were looking over there, and it was a contrast, right? There's a contrast between this, this black, dark color and bright, popping color. And your eyes are drawn to that. And, and God has called his people to be like that, in a dark place, to be light and to be contrast and to be beautiful and glorious, to be a church set on a hill and a people of light, and Paul is reminding the people here in Ephesus as we read this passage, he's reminding the church that we are made to shine. Like we are made for his uh, glory and we are to be distinct from everything else. God, between uh, believers and unbelievers, there should be a distinctiveness. There should be a, a contrast between those who are awake and those who are asleep. To those who are intoxicated with things of this world and those who are intoxicated by the Spirit, those who are full of darkness and those who are full of light. Paul puts out this contrast. And so what is a contrast? Maybe you, maybe you know what a contrast is. Nobody really does it anymore, but back in the day, I'm this old, okay? We had, we had TVs, and on the bottom had little knobs. And you had, what, tint, contrast, color. Yeah, that's how old I am, okay? Uh, and so we had to do that, and you'd have to adjust it so it looked right. And, and Paul is reminding the church is like, we are like that. Like God has turned the contrast up on believers. Like we are to be bright. 
And when you turn the contrast down on the TV, what happens? The picture becomes dull, right? All the colors kind of kind of retreat, and it's really kind of dull looking. But you turn the contrast up, the colors become a little more bright and brilliant, and God has called his church to be bright and brilliant. And Paul is reminding the church that of this passage. And so I looked up the definition of contrast, and Wikipedia said this, if you take it for what it is. It says the contra- it's the contradiction in luminance of color that makes an object distinguishable. So the more you turn it up, the more distinguished it is, right? The more you can make it out. In, in visual perception of the real world, contrast is determined by the difference in the color and brightness of the object and other objects within the same field of view, like we saw up here on the stage. You, your same field of view, everybody's wearing black, but over here is this contrast color. So that is contrast, and God has called us to be like that. All right? Get that? Some of you did. Amen. We're good. So God has called us to be a contrast, to be different than the world. And so what we're going to do today, it's going to be more like a Bible study than a, than a, than a sermon. Um, and so today we're going to break this whole passage down and let Paul preach to us about what it means to live in the light. And so as we open it up in verse 1, he says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This statement is the bedrock of all of this passage. He's saying you need to be like this. You need to be imitators of God as beloved children, right? You need to be as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So he's he's making this statement and he's telling us how to do these things. I love this statement. It says, act as beloved children. And I would dare say that there's many of us today who don't understand what it means to be a child of God. That we don't understand who we are in him. He doesn't, we don't understand what he's done for us. We don't understand our identity in him. And we're living as what we call orphans. We don't, we don't understand who we are in him. And so we're always trying to get from other people what only God can give us. We're looking for identity. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for who we are. And, 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 and Paul is reminding us is that you are a beloved children of God. Man, if we could just get that, that God loves us this much, that we are, we are loved by him. And he says, because you're loved by him, because Christ loved you and he gave up his life for you, then you should walk, therefore, as imitators of God. And he says, this is how you do it. So first, he uses this contrast. Don't be this, be this. Don't do this, do this. Believers should be like this, not like this. And so he opens it up in verse 3. He says this, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. He's saying here is like, like the word Christian and these things should never be in the same sentence. Like as a believer, like when people talk about Neil, these things should never be in the same sentence with Neil, right? When people talk about you, these things should never be in the same sentence with you. These impurities, um, and sexual morality, covetousness, which is greed, these things should never be associated with Christians. And then he goes, let there be no filthiness, no foolishness, talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. So he's saying, don't be this, be this. Let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. What he's saying there is these people that walk in darkness and do these things, they're living as orphans. They don't have an inheritance. They don't understand who they are in Christ Jesus. And he's saying, when you live in Christ and you understand your place as a, as a kingdom child, then you will walk in thanksgiving, not in these things. And I love what he says here. He goes, uh, he goes let there be no filthiness or foolishness talk or crude joking, which are out of place. What does he mean like that? He, he's saying, believer, it's like putting on clothes that are too restrictive. You know, I was a little bit skinnier a couple years ago. And I've gained a little weight, and I still have those clothes. And sometimes I go to the closet, and I'm like, will it fit today? Mm. Right? And you put it on, and you're, I mean, you get it, right? And you're restricted, and you're like, it fits, but it don't look very good. Don't feel very good. You know, it, it's constricting. It cuts circulation off. And I can't feel my legs, but my pants fit, right? It's constricting. Paul is saying these things in believers' lives are like ill-fitting clothes. Like, they don't fit you. They shouldn't feel good when you put them, when you do these things, they shouldn't feel good. Like, it shouldn't just 
be natural for you. It should feel unnatural. It should be almost like there's a freedom you're losing when you do these things. Because we think, you know, people living in darkness is what he's talking about. These things are just natural for them because it fits. But when you become a believer and when you come into the light, it's like certain clothes don't fit anymore. Like we've grown out of those things. And he's saying, put on these things. Thankfulness. Take off the clothes that are restricting. Take off the clothes that, that don't fit anymore. And, and, and as a believer, if these things try to creep up in you, right, and, and you do these things, it should feel like you're losing uh, some kind of freedom. And people ask me all the time, well, man, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to do right. But then I, I, I'm trying to fix my language, right? And, and I keep saying it. And I don't want to say it. And I'm trying to do this, and I keep watching that. I keep doing this, and I don't want to do those things, but I just keep doing them, and I, and I try to encourage them. I say, well, when you were a believer, I mean, when you're an unbeliever, when you didn't know Jesus, did those things bother you? And most of the time they say, no, I didn't really think about it. I just did those things, and just how it was. I said, but now that you know Jesus, don't those things feel different? Like they don't bring pleasure anymore. They don't bring joy anymore. They bring... It's like it's, it's constricting, right? It feels like it's cutting off something in your soul. Uh, yeah. And so that's a good sign that maybe you're living in the light and those clothes that, that you're trying to put on don't fit. And so I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're struggling with some things and you're trying to get past them, and, but there's a conviction there. And you know that I need to get rid of this. I got to get rid of these things, right? He says, get rid of, get rid of these things. Throw those clothes out. It's a conscious decision to keep moving forward. But we have to just, like he says, take off those old clothes, put on new clothes, and walk in the light. Those things don't fit believers. They're out of place. And then he goes on to say, verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. What is he saying here? He's saying, don't let anyone sell you the other clothes. People are telling you, you have to wear this, right? And this is a spiritual sense, right? You have to, you have to be like this. You have to put these things on. And they're, and they're trying to convince you that it's, that it's good and it's okay, right? We live in a world where, where the contrast between believers and unbelievers, there's really not it anymore, right? The world has turned up their contrast and the believers have turned down theirs, and so there's really no distinction anymore between those who are in the light and those who are in darkness. And, and Paul is saying, don't be fooled by those who come to you with empty words. I mean, they don't have anything to back it up. They're like, well, I just feel this. Or I just think this way. Or I've been taught that way. But they have nothing to back it up. He's saying, don't be deceived by them. You know, we do have a deceiver, right? We have an enemy of our faith. And his name is Satan. And what he does is he twists the truth. He's always done that. You read scripture. He takes the word of God and he twists it to where it seems like it's reality. And the funny thing is he's had the same playbook forever and ever, and we keep falling for it. In the very beginning, he said, did God really say? And that's the twist. That's the twist. Well, I see it's written there, but did God really mean it that way? Did God really say it that way? Maybe in the Greek, it means a different thing. Maybe in the Hebrew, it meant a different thing. And so he twists it and he spins it until we believe it. We're deceived. I think of an illusionist. Um, we went, <laughs> I remember, I think it was Six Flags. Uh, we went to Six Flags and they had this illusionist there on one of the, the shows. And he was out there kind of trying to get the crowd worked up. He's doing some tricks. And he, he had this card and he was like, it looked like he was levitating it, right? He was spinning it around him. It was really cool. I'm like, how did he do that? That's amazing. This guy's magic. I'm like, how did he do that? And so we went and saw the show. It was really incredible. And I always wondered, how did he do that? How did he make it float? How did he control it? Like, what's going on? And then I went to San Antonio at the mall and went to a magic shop in there. And they sold the trick. I was like, oh, Okay. I can't tell you. No, I'm just kidding. But no, they sold the trick. I'm like, that's how they did it. It wasn't reality. It looked like reality. It looked like he would really control it and levitate it. But really, he just had some really sticky stuff and some really thin wire that you couldn't see. And he twisted, he bent reality. 
He bent what my eyes, because my eyes couldn't see those things, right? And so he bent and twisted reality to where I thought that it was really him controlling those things. But really, he just, it was a string. And that's what the enemy does, does. He twists our reality, twists the things that we think we see and our minds comprehend, and he turns it so we are deceived. And we buy clothes that we don't fit. I still do that, right? I go to the store, I buy clothes, and they don't fit. But anyway, that was a bad joke. <laughs> but we don't need to do that, right? We don't need to do that. He says, don't be deceived. Many believers are deceived that Jesus tolerates the works of darkness. But believer, be warned, God's wrath will come because you will think, well, I'm doing this and God's not saying anything about it. I'm doing this and there doesn't seem to be any repercussions. Doesn't seem to have any uh, consequences for my actions right now. Maybe God is just saying it's okay. Maybe God thinks um, he's winking at it. Maybe he's changed his mind. Maybe God doesn't really care. But believe me, believer, he cares. There is a reckoning coming. He says right here, the sons of disobedience. That's a harsh word. When you're doing these things, you're living in darkness. You're not living as sons of God. You're living as sons of disobedience. And he says there's going to be a judgment coming for those, the wrath of God coming upon the sons of disobedience. My friends, we cannot mistake God's grace for his acceptance. God is patient. God is not willing for any to perish. And we feel like he's winking at the things that we're doing, winking at our attitudes, winking at the things of this world. He's not winking at it. He's waiting. He's waiting because he loves you and he sees you and he values you and he wants you to come to faith. He wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to be a son. He wants you to be a daughter. And he's patient with you because he loves you. And one day there's going to be a day where he's done. There's going to be a day where he's done. He's, not, he's done waiting. And I think so many of us, like this passage says, it goes on. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's okay. Because I think I need to stick on this a little bit. There's some of us thinking that God is going to wait forever. He's not going to wait forever. There is a day coming where he's going to let you go about your business and say, okay, you don't want me? then you, you don't, I'm going to stop chasing you. He's going to turn you over to your own deception. He's going to say, you don't want me? Breaks my heart. I want you in my kingdom. I've been chasing you your whole life. But there's going to come to a point where he stops following you. And I, 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 I am so terrified of that day for so many people. Time, time's running out. And then he goes on to say, verse 7, Therefore, because of all these things, do not become partners with them. Partners with who? Those who are living in darkness. For there at one time, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. I love when I read that because it really stuck to me. I was like, he doesn't say we're full of light or full of darkness. We're in darkness. We're in light. Paul makes a statement in, in the conclusion that we are actually in, like we are darkness, like it personifies who we are. And then he goes, because you used to be personified by darkness, everything in you did what darkness does, right? This is who I am. I am darkness, therefore deeds of darkness come out of me. And then he goes on to say, you are light, and now what should happen? Deeds of light should come out of me, right? And he goes, and then walk as children of light, because the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. For believers, the fruit of the Spirit should be that thing that explodes out of us. It becomes light. That's the works of those who are standing in the light. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And he goes on to say, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible for anything that becomes visible is light. What's he saying there? He's saying that don't become partners with darkness. Don't let the light be snuffed out. Don't let the darkness into your soul. Believers, I'm telling you, God has placed you where you are to be light and to be life 
Wherever you're at, if you're at your job, God has called you to be light in that job. This world is trying to snuff out the light of Jesus. It seems like it's okay to talk about everything except for Jesus nowadays. And then the, the world and then the enemy is trying to snuff out the light of Christ in you. And so what we do as believers is we just kind of hide our light. We don't talk about Jesus. We don't pray with people. We don't, you know, we, we just kind of just like, oh, hopefully, please don't talk about Jesus. Don't ask me about my faith. And we hide. And we, we hide our light under a bushel. Jesus talks about that. He said, do not hide your light under a bushel. You're a city set on a hill, and it's meant to shine for the world to see. That passage talks about you being the light in the house. Believers, you are the light in the house. We're all gathered as the light in the house. This is brilliant right now. You are brilliant. It's shining bright in here because believers are gathered. And God has called you to be light in the world. Don't partner with their darkness. Don't partner with other people's darkness. What does that mean? I heard a story this week about a young lady who's, who loves Jesus, and she's working at her job. And, and they say, oh, you're that Christian girl at her job. And she, she wanted to like kind of shrink back and be, you know, be shamed about who she is. But I'm telling you, if somebody comes to you and goes, oh, you're that Christian guy, or you're that Christian girl, and you feel shameful and you feel, and you let them shrink you back, you're partnering with them. You're actually becoming partners with the darkness in them to shut you down and to, and to dull you and to turn the contrast down a little bit. And I'm telling you, in those moments, you need to turn your brightness up and, and tell them, no, I am. Yeah, I am the Christian girl. I'm the Christian boy. I'm the one who, I love Jesus. Jesus is amazing. He changed my life. Let me tell you how he changed my life. In that, in that moment, you shine in the, in the brighter. And, and when you do that, here's some things that are going to happen. The brightness in you is going to disturb the darkness in them. What that means is they're going to be like, oh, they have a choice at that moment, right? Because the light is shining on them. It says expose the darkness. What does that mean? I think believers get this wrong a lot. We think to expose the darkness is we take our flashlight and we turn it up on high beam and shine it in their eyeballs. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying to expose the darkness, the light automatically exposes what's in the dark. And so he's just saying, be who you are, right? Be a believer in that place and be true to who you are. I think Dallas, Pastor uh, Dallas that came and spoke a couple weeks ago, had a great analogy of this. He talked about as believers, you know, we, we are the light bearers. We carry the light around. And he said, this is how we act often. And this is how the light should work. It's like, think about us having a torch, and we're walking into a, a shed, and it's all dark, right? You open the shed door, you walk in, and what happens? Everything that loves light is drawn to the light, right? All the horses, all the things in the shed, because they associate light with something, food usually, right? And so they're, they're coming up. And everything that hates the light or, or despises the light runs away. Roaches, snakes, uh, mice, things you don't want to see, spiders, you know, those things, they run away from the light. And far too often as believers, we try to like chase those things down. Wait, come back, come back. But he's saying, no, just shine where you're at. And the things that are drawn to the light will be drawn to the light. And believer, when you're at in the house, right, because you're the light in the house, the more you shine in that place, the more people will see you differently. And the more the light will give brightness to who you are and to the things in their heart. And eventually they'll come to you and eventually their eyes will go from this to this to this to this to tell me about Jesus. I know I used to, I worked at a truck wash for many, many years, right? You know, we've heard of sailors who cuss. Truckers are like on top of that, okay? <laughs> and people who work in that industry are on top of that. I worked with a bunch of guys. And when all guys are together, guys talk about what guys talk about. And guys do what guys do. And I was playing along right in there. I was in darkness. I didn't know Jesus at the time. My light wasn't shining. My darkness was very real. And so my language reflected that. My deeds reflected that. My actions reflected that. And in that job, I was going along with all what they were going along. I was saying all the things they were saying. And then I got saved radically, <laughs> right? And then I still worked at that job. And then automatic. It's like God turned the switch on. He's like, he's turned the contrast up. Whoop. And I walked in there. And at first people were kind of freaked out by it. They were weird. They're weird out. 
Like, when did you get religious? Well, you know, it's like, oh, you go to church on Sunday? You go to church on Wednesday? You go to church on Sunday night? You go to men's group on Monday? What's wrong with you? You're in a cult? They, like, keep you tied up there? Do you sleep there? Right? It, it weirds them out because they don't know what's going on. Like, hey, man, you're this guy that was cutting up, making jokes. You had really good jokes. And, and you know, it's like, and now you're like, you don't take part in that stuff. And, and you kind of separate from all those things. I don't understand this. What's going on? And at first, it freaked them out. And at first, they, they didn't know how to act around me, right? And like, oh, don't cuss around, Neil. Don't say those words, right? Oh, I'm sorry I cussed in front of you. It's like, well, it's not me you're defend, offending, right? Somebody else. But I would just say that. I'm like, hey, it's, no, it's good. It's like, I've heard those words before. And then eventually, those guys in that, that place I worked with, they went from like, don't cuss around Neil, don't talk about those things around Neil, to, hey, I have a question. Hey, uh, I'm having some really issues with my family right now. Hey, I don't know what to do. Me and my wife are on verge of divorce. Hey, you know, I just need prayer. And that's what it looks like. It's just, and I didn't go in there and I wasn't, come on, guys, we've got to read the Bible today and we're going to do this. Right? I wasn't trying to cast demons at them and throw holy oil on them. I was just shining where God placed me. And that's what God has called his people to be. Light in the darkness. Light in the darkness. We are to be light in the darkness. And then he goes on to say, therefore, it says, because we're called to be light in the darkness, awake! Oh, sleeper, you awake. I saw you. Woke up. <laughs> and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He's saying, get up. Arise from the dead. Too many believers are sleeping. Too many people in the church are asleep. They're not walking in the fullness of who they are. They don't understand that what Christ has done in them, and they're sleeping. It's like they're hitting the snooze button of their life every day. It's like, tomorrow I'll get up and I'll talk to this person about Jesus. Tomorrow I'll come to church. Tomorrow I'll read my Bible. Tomorrow I'll do what God's asked me to do. Tomorrow maybe I'll try to stop doing this. Tomorrow maybe I'll get out of this addiction. I'll do something about it. Tomorrow maybe I'll pray with my wife. We keep hitting the snooze button on our faith and we're wondering why nothing is changing. And it's like 10 months, 10, day, you know, 10 days, 10 months, 10 years later, we're still hitting the snooze button. And there's people in here today, I don't know where you're at in your faith in Christ, but you keep hitting the snooze button and you're like, maybe tomorrow I'll give my life to him. Maybe tomorrow I'll surrender that to him. Maybe tomorrow I'll answer the call that God has called me to do. And you keep hitting the snooze button and tomorrow may never come. We're not promised another day. And so today I want to I beg you, I want to plead with you. Unbeliever, if you're in here, give your life to Jesus. There's no better time than today. Scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another day. This passage is taken from, from Old Testament Scripture. It's taken, from, it's taken from Isaiah, a couple passages in Isaiah, actually. Uh, Isaiah 52, verse 1 and 2. It says this, Wake up! Wake up, O Zion! And these words in here for Zion and Jerusalem, just it means the people of God. It was written to them at that time, but we can take it on for us as people of God. Awake, awake, O people of God. Clothe yourself with strength. Notice this taking clothes off, right? Taking the old, putting the new on. Take off the old clothes that don't fit. Put on new clothes of strength. Put on your beautiful clothes, radiant, shining, brilliant clothes. O holy city of Jerusalem. Didn't Jesus tell a parable about this? He said, you are a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. Right? This is where this came, came from. Put on beautiful clothes. Be brilliant because you are a city, a holy city. Jerusalem is a holy city. For unclean and godless people will enter your gates no longer. Rise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Sit in the place of honor. Remove the chains of slavery from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. This passage, Isaiah is telling the people of God, wake up, get dressed, get ready, cast out the things that are unclean, walk in freedom, right? And he goes, he goes on to say, remove the chains of slavery around your neck and take your place of honor beside God. Believers, we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. There's a, there's a song that, I um, can't remember his first name, last word, Greenwood. But it was talking about uh, the church that sleeps. And in, the, in, the, in this song, it's a very old song. He says, 
Jesus rose from the dead, but we can't even get out of bed. Right? He's saying, wake up, get dressed, get ready, walk in freedom, cast out the, the, the evil stuff, get it out of our lives, walk in freedom, and take your place in the kingdom. And then verse 60 says, Arise, Jerusalem, again, holy city, you, church. Arise, church. Let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on. It's like Jesus wakes up and he's like, I'm going to shine on my church today. Bam. It's like he rises up to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. Man, is that today or what? But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. Do you see that in the morning, guys? When you wake up in the morning and, and, and you, you're like, man, God's glory is shining on me. I'm going to go shine for Jesus today. Like, I hope it's blinding. I hope it's brilliant. I hope it's beautiful. I'm going to shine for him. Look, the church has been sleeping too long. It's time to wake up, rise up, and shine. It's time for us as a church to take our place besides Christ Jesus, for us to realize who we are in him. And like I said, to stop hitting the snooze button and wake up and walk in freedom. And he goes on to say, look carefully then how you walk. Verse 15, he continues, but not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's saying, church, wake up. There are souls at stake. There are lives in the balance. The nations are in darkness and they need light. They need the church to step up and be the church. They need this church to step up and do what the church is called to do. And in that song, he talks about there's people outside the church starving and people in the church saying, God, bless me more, bless me more, bless me more. The church is not called to bless me more, bless me more, bless me more. The church is called to go out and make a difference in the world. It's time to wake up. It's time to rise and shine. I think God is asking the church. I know he's asking the church to rise and shine. And he's about to start screaming to the church to rise and shine. You know, when you have little kids and you got to get them ready for school. I mean, how many of you had kids in here? You know this. Maybe you were a kid once. <laughs> And your parents would come in. You don't want to go to school, right? And they get up. Maybe it's the first day of school. Like, hey, honey, you need to get up and get ready for school. Maybe you're like, my parents never did that. They're like, get up now. But no, it's like, hey, honey, it's time to get up. Get up, get ready. You know, I used to do that with my kids. Time to get up and go in there and get my coffee, eat my breakfast, come back five minutes later. They're still sleeping. Like, all right, get up. You get up. Got to get ready for school. I know you don't want to get up, but get up. Go back, do some other stuff. Come back five minutes later. They're still... I'm like, get up, right? It's time to get up. And then you're like, I'm about to pick you up. I'm about to get you dressed, and, you know, we're getting out of here. There, there's a some point where God is telling the church, and I think this is this point now, he's telling the church, get up. Don't make me come down there. Like, I will come in that room, and I will pick you up. I will snatch you up, right? And we will go. God is calling his church to do this. He's, he's saying, get up, wake up. It's the time. But stakes are too high. Souls are in the balance. Then he goes on to say, be careful how you live. Not as, wise, not as unwise, but wise. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. You know, every moment of your life on this earth matters. Every second God has given you to shine, take advantage of it. I know there's times in my life where I haven't taken advantage of what God's given to me. I didn't shine. I, didn't, I wasn't wise. I was unwise with my time. I wasted my time. Believers, if God can't make you bad, he can make you busy, right? And we get so caught up in what we can and can't do that we don't do anything at all. He's saying, look, make the best use of the time that God gives you, believer, and shine where God puts you. Now you may be saying, well, how do we shine? How do we do that? I don't know. How do we do that? Well, Paul tells us, luckily, <laughs> thank goodness for Paul that he didn't just label the problem and leave us. He says, this is how you shine. So if you need to know how to shine and you're a little lustered and your contrast is turned down today, this is how you turn the contrast back up and you shine. I want to share something with you. Uh, about a year and a half ago, we we're having a prayer meeting in here and we're just praying. And I just saw people in here like just this is full and they're all in black and white. 
And as, as we were praying and as we were, and God was showing me that like God was just like instantly popping another person into color, another person into color, another person into color, and another person into color, like full color. And, and, and to me, it was like God was saying, I'm bringing people to full life. I'm bringing people into the full brilliance of what I created them to be. And I started praying and agreeing with God on this. God, let this church be a church of con, like of beauty. Let us be brilliant, God. Let us shine for you, God. Let us be different. God, bring us to true life. And I pray that you walk in true life. Stop living dull lives, believer. Let Jesus turn the contrast up in your life. So how do we do it? Paul says, number one, in verse 19, this. Addressing one another in Psalms, oh, I skipped the whole thing. Hold on. I skipped verse 18. Can't do that. And he goes, and do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. This is key. This is key. He's, not, he's talking about alcohol, but he's talking about things that intoxicate us, right? He's talking about things that we tend to let control us and motivate us. If you've ever been drunk on wine or alcohol, you know what it does to your body, right? It influences you. You can't walk straight. You can't talk straight. You can't think straight. You, you dress probably how you wouldn't normally dress. You probably put your shirt on backwards, right? Because you're not all there. You're influenced under that thing. And I find it no coincidence that it's called spirits, right? And so you're, in, you're influenced by this alcohol or this drink, right? You're influenced by these things in you, and it controls the way you live. And Paul is contrasting that, saying, look, don't be drunk in wine like that because that's influencing your life. Don't let the things of this world influence your life. Don't let those things control you. Don't let those things make you do certain things. But let the Spirit in you influence you. Let the Spirit fill your lives. Let Him influence you. Let Him bring out the brilliance of Christ in you. He's saying, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this word where he says be filled is actually in the Greek, be being filled. It's this constant reminder to be always taking a drink of the Spirit, to always be going to the well, to always be asking the Holy Spirit to fill us. Too many believers get filled once and they think we're good. And they're like, well, my life, I just don't have the fire anymore. I don't know what's going on. I just don't feel like my prayers are working. I just don't. Don't have the power to do this anymore. Well, you got to get filled again. You got to be being filled, always being continuously filled by the Spirit. How do you do this? This is what he says. Here we go. I skipped that part, so this is important. Verse 19 addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Number one, worship makes you shine. <laughs> worship. That's what we come on Sunday morning and we worship. And when we worship God speaking to us and we're, we're hearing the words of God, we're, we're, we're singing melody to God. You know, it's funny that I remember songs from when I was like eight years old, but I can't remember what I ate yesterday. Right? Are you like that? I was at somebody's house yesterday and they sang this song from, from Sesame Street probably back in 1985. And the image of that song popped up in my head. I'm like, why do I remember that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Do, 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 right? Like, where did that even come from? It's not like I tried to memorize that song. Like, I'm going to memorize this. Songs have power, right? Music has power. And so Paul is telling his people here, get, start singing about Jesus. Start letting lyrics speak to you. Start letting music minister to you. I don't know how many times I've been so low in my life. And a song would come in and touch my heart. Man, there's one right now that it's just, God is more than able, man. That song is just ripping me apart right now. Because there's times in my life that I need to be reminded that God is more than able. And worship, it fills me, it fills my cells, it gets me motivated, it keeps me going, it restores my shine. Worship. Worship at home, worship here. I think of Moses when he went to go meet with the Lord, right? He went to go worship. And he would come off the mountain and his face would be brilliant and be shining where nobody could look at him like, oh, my, your face is so bright. We have to cover it with a veil. Right? This is what happens when we worship God. When, 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 when people of God are full of the spirit and they're worshiping God, it's like there's this radiance exuberating off of them. There's this glory of God that we carry because we've been in his presence. So don't neglect worship. Are you feeling bad today? Maybe you need to worship. And worship with others. 
Because it says one another. You can do it at home, but there's nothing like singing, man. When we were singing that a minute ago, so beautiful. How great. Our, our God. And he's like, mm, so good. You guys sounded so good. And then he goes on to say, number two, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always and for everything. Nothing will dull your shine more than discontentment. When you're discontent about stuff, you will not shine for Jesus because I don't have enough. It ain't enough. This ain't good enough, right? And it steals our glow. It steals our shine. Ungrateful people. I'll take Christian's mic. Yeah, can I get you to go and come up, Christian, and play some music? Nothing will dull your shine faster than discontentment. Look, it's hard to be thankful, man, especially in this world. But you have so much. I mean, you live in the United States of America. You think you're poor, but you go to another nation, you're rich. If you have a roof over your head, a lot of you have air conditioning, right? Most people don't have that. So we have so much to be thankful for. And not only that, we have the most amazing thing to be thankful for, and that is our salvation through Christ Jesus. And that should motivate us to be thankful. God, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I am saved. I am in need of nothing, God, because you have given me everything. And I get it. We get, the, we get down sometimes, and we're like, man, I wish I had this. I wish I didn't have that. God, why can't this be that way? Why can't this be that way? And God's saying, no, be thankful for what you have. I think of the saying that, that somebody said, if you were thankful for the things you had yesterday, what would you have today? Right? Probably not a lot. And we were kind of feeling down yesterday, me and my wife, about some stuff. I'm like, oh, this is driving me crazy. Why didn't this get done? This didn't get done. And, and then we kind of caught ourselves, and then we started to know, I was like, no, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we have air conditioning. Thank you, God, that this church has air conditioning. Thank you, God, that, that, that we have electricity. Thank you, God, that we have amazing people that serve. Thank you, God, that we have amazing leadership. Thank you, God, that you have amazing people that walk in here. Thank you, God, that we even have a building. Thank you, God, that we even have property. And so we started thanking God for the things we have. And it, and it, it invites you into his glory. It invites you in to shine for him. I think the best thing we can do with our time is to make a thankful list, a gratitude list. And as you write the things you're thankful for, maybe try this at home. I guarantee you, you will never get to the end of it. And you'll realize how truly blessed you are. Because thankfulness doesn't come from the things we own. It comes from the things we have, right? Because things we own can be taken away, but things we have cannot be taken away. So be thankful. There's a song, right? If you're happy and you know it. Okay, first, first service got it. They like it. They were on cue. You guys are just jumping around. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. You know, so it's like that. If I'm thankful and I know it, man, my face is going to show it. There's, there's something that's like, you, you run into thankful people? Like, man, you're full of gratitude. You're full of generosity. You're full of all these things. Oh, you just shine. They're fun to be around. And then the last one, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the big one. This is the beginning of this passage where he says, be like Christ who, what? He submitted himself to the Father. He gave himself up for us. Believer, if you want to shine, if you truly want to live as children of light, you're going to see other people as a priority. You're going to see other people as, as not someone to avoid, but someone to serve. You're going to put other people's needs in front of your needs. And I would dare say this. This is a strong statement. But you cannot be filled with the Spirit and filled with yourself at the same time. And so many of us are so full of ourselves, so full of our needs, so full of our wants, so full of how people treat us that we cannot treat other people the way that God wants us to treat them. And we need to be full of the Spirit, not full of ourselves. We need to make room for other people. We need to make way for other people. The word submit means put yourself up underneath. And as believers, this should be almost annoying. Like, I'm holding the door for you, you're holding the door for me, and we're both looking at each other, wondering who's going to walk through first. It's like, you first, you first, you first, you first. 
God has called us to submit to one another. There should be no offense between believers. There should be no disagreement or no, uh, no unforgiveness. I'm telling you, if you can't forgive somebody, it's because you haven't, you're full of yourself. You're like, oh, that's hard. You don't know what that person did to me. I, I'm, not, I'm not dismissing what they did. I'm not dismissing the pain. But what I'm saying is there's something in you that you can't get rid of. There's something in you that you want them to have give you back. Unforgiveness is this. You owe me something. And until you pay me that back, I'm not going to forgive you. But here's the problem with that. Even if they pay you back, it's not enough. The price keeps going up. There's interest. And they never pay it off. You have to make the conscious decision to erase the debt and to say, I'm putting myself out of the way. I'm putting them first. And I'm praying, God, rescue their lives. That's hard. There's people that you're angry at. There's people that you're mad at. This is what you need to pray. God, I'm going to pray for them, Lord, that you change their life, that you save them, that you bring them into who you are. That's hard. But that's what God calls us to do. That's called shining. That's living as children of light, not children of darkness. So I want to close in this. You'd stand with me and I get the worship, the prayer team to come. As I was speaking this passage. Maybe something stuck out to you. Maybe you're dealing with some of this stuff. Maybe maybe there's unforgiveness in your life and you need to deal with it. Maybe you gotta, you just don't know where to go, right? Maybe, man, I'm not shining. I think I'm living in darkness. Today is the day of salvation. You can give your life to Jesus. All you gotta do is come up here and talk to one of these people. They're gonna lead you in a prayer. That's not the end. That's the beginning. When you give your life to Jesus, something's gonna happen. You're gonna become a son or daughter of God. He's going to start working in your life. You're going to start shining. It may not be brilliant at first, but you're going to start shining. And God's going to begin to work in your life. And we want to, as a church, help you to shine, help you to grow. And so keep coming. Let, let, let the people of God show you what it means to live as people of light. Maybe today you're dull because you've let the enemy in and you're agreeing with him, you're partnering with him, saying, man, I'm not good enough. Now, these people are all around me. God, I just can't shine at my job anymore. They're, they're hostile towards me, and maybe you just need the Lord to remind you to shine and how to shine, to turn the contrast up a little bit. Maybe you need that today. Maybe you just need healing. Maybe your marriage is a wreck and you don't know what to do. And Maybe you need somebody to stand in agreement with you that God can do something about that. Maybe your body's a wreck and you need God to heal you. You just need somebody to stand with you and agree that God can do something about that. You know, I don't know a lot, but I know that God can handle a lot more than I can. And when I allow him to have it, he does great things. That's why we can sing how great you are, how great, how great you are. Because he's greater than our problems. Amen. So I'm going to challenge you as he leads us in this song to come get prayer. Maybe you need to just worship where you're at. Maybe you need to let the words just fill your heart. Maybe you need to be thankful and just say, thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, that I'm able to walk. Thank you, God, that I can breathe. Thank you, God, that I can raise my hand and worship you. And maybe today there's something you need to submit to that you haven't submitted to. And ask God to fill you with his spirit and give you strength. So, Father God, I pray for all these needs today. Whatever they need, God, I pray that they would come up and get prayer. In Jesus' name, whatever you need, I know the Lord has it. Jesus, mighty name.